hard-fought game. Uh, the Bengals did a nice job, and coming down the stretch, we, you know, you, you know, you can't turn the ball over against a good team, and you surely can't miss a field goal. Um, but there was a lot of things in between that that we could have done better, and so we'll go back and we'll work on it and make sure that we we learn from it and and. Uh, try to become a better team. So with that, time's yours. Well, it happened again. That's three times in a row now. I, I didn't think that was supposed to be allowed, but apparently it is a thing that can happen. Patrick Mahomes' Kansas City Chiefs are 0-3 now in the hands of the Joe Burrow-led Cincinnati Bengals, and obviously entering this game, there was a chance the Chiefs would drop this one, but the 0-3 against the same opponent in one calendar year. That's some new territory that we will talk about here on this edition of Times Ours. I am Joshua Briscoe here with Nate Taylor, our usual third party, Seth Kaiser. I don't mean to make him the third party, but he's not here. If he doesn't like that, he could show up. He's on a vacation <laughs> with his family or whatever. Um, but uh, Nate and I have plenty Everybody's to talk about. Everybody's getting criticized in this episode, Josh. Everybody's getting, everybody, everybody, even the everybody. guys on vacation. Yeah, no, no, no. Everybody, not everyone who had anything to do with my last 24 hours of existence, <laughs> everybody has at least a little uh, misfire. Seth is the least of those people uh, in, in terms of, you know, anything to apologize for. Nate, you were in Cincinnati. You yep. went to the Skyline Chili spot. I mean, I don't I know if did. you actually got Skyline Chili. No, I saw I Harold. Oh, man. I we saw all did. Oh, boy. It's... it's- Okay, I, did, I, I, I'm so happy you mentioned this. Look, y'all, Cincinnati better not say another word about this chili. I mean, <laughs> we go into the hotel. It's me and Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. Um, Jesse had never had Skyline Chili before. I did. I was like, if you want to do it, like, I'll strap it up and we we can go, <laughs> man. <laughs> so we, we're at the hotel. The lady is so nice. I can't remember her name, but she was like, now look. And when anybody says, now look, and they're from Cincinnati, I'm like, here we go. So she's like, now look. I want you to understand that it's not the chili that you, like, that you recognize. (laughs) (laughs) And she, she crystallized it perfectly. It's not the chili that you come to know. It is more soup-like, um, with some noodles on top, or, or, or the top on top of some noodles with a gallon of cheese. Which, by the way, that's the best thing they do. It just, that, it's just unmelted, just like room so temperature much, shredded cheese, right? So much cheese. Like if you love okay. cheese, Skyline Chili got you. Um, I love cheese, but I don't want to eat a pile of that cheese. It's you know, so like, much cheese. It seems like a lot of shredded cheese. Anyway, so so she was like, "Now look, I love this woman." Oh. Uh, it's more soup than chili. Cool. Uh, Jesse's like, should I should I have it with the onions? I go, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything with good flavor, I think you want. Right? She's like, sure, you should do that. Also, um, you might want to come back here. I'm sorry. What was that, ma'am? What? Well, depending on the experience and some people's digestive situations, it may run through you. Is and- this a prank? Is this is, no. is Cincinnati pulling a prank on all of us? Is this I don't real? know. I don't the only know, thing I've ever heard about Skyline Chili is it doesn't taste good and, and it's basically a juice cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Jesse was like, well, let's get the chin strap sorted. Yes. <laughs> let's roll out. <laughs> so we, we it. I had chili dogs. He had the traditional. Um, I've already done it with the spaghetti. Um, <laughs> it is, it is a true like. Jesse, I think crystallized it perfectly because we both have young children. He was like, "Man, if you're a kid, this place is amazing." And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, that is true." It might lose its its um it might lose its charm the older you get or the more experiences you have of it. But like, hey man, I watched college football and ate chili cheese dogs, okay? Of chili that is not chili or the meat is the is the hot dog. So look, I mean, this podcast is already off to a great start, but <laughs> we did that on Saturday. Not realizing that what will the Beagle serve us? Oh no! At halftime for such a pivotal, magnanimous, grand of a game in early December. That's right, kids. Chili cheese dogs. <laughs> to which I said, "Y'all still got some fruit?" <laughs> so I ate fruit at halftime because I didn't. I didn't want to go. I, hey, I went one for one. We don't need to go one for two. No, no. I I imagine that this ends with with Jesse being a late addition to the injury report with an illness like Frank Clark. I'm just oh, glad you guys he made was, it hey, back healthy. Hey man, we we hey we some warriors. We got through it. And look, it is like it's not the greatest meal, but like I get it. But the the point I made, and I'll end it here. Uh, because I hope this brightens your day. And I got one other thing in hopes of doing such. Because if you press play, God bless you. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> but I told Jesse after the experience, after we were like, hey, let's, you know, um, you know, let's do this. Let's do that. And then we'll come back to the hotel, um, you know, whatever. I was like, hey, man, you know what just came to me? Like, no one's going to a Kansas City hotel and is like, hey, hey, what about that? Uh, what about that Joe's? I heard a lot of good things about Gates. What about what about that Jack Stack? And no one's saying all right, now you know barbecue, but but it ain't that kind of barbecue. All right. And I was like, their whole setup is built on chili. But and everywhere else in the country, it ain't the chili. And the lady just cut to the chase, and I applaud her for it. Because yes. she said, she set actual expectations that were actually met, to which, like, maybe that woman's been... You know, at you know, she obviously been working at the hotel for a while. She want to rep her city. Do you, girl? At the same time, don't be lying to these people. Right, you exactly. Know? Don't set it up too high that they can't that they can't reach it. She set a target. Skyline Chili met it. I'm glad to have done it. But ain't nobody in Kansas City saying, "Now look, if you want to go to Arthur Bryant's, that's fine." It ain't it ain't KC masterpiece. You know, and no one's certainly doing that. they're not punctuating it with. And make sure you pick a location nice you and close come to your here. hotel. You might want to dip back. You might you only might have, have about 15 back. minutes from your check to the emergency <laughs> evacuation. Nobody's ever said that here. <laughs> oh, dog. <laughs> but hey, when you really think about it, it's soup and it's a lot of cheese. So you do the math. I'd rather not, but the alternative is talking about <laughs> Chiefs Bengals. I don't really want to do that anymore either. 
Um, you you said you had something else to try to lift the spirits before we really dig into yes. everything that happened in this game. Like you dug into so much skyline chili. Yeah. So before we criticize everybody on the team, and I, I mean, I'm mostly joking. <laughs> I'm joking, Colin Saunders. I get it, man. I get it. I we gonna get to Juan Thornhill, but hey, everybody. Um, I have some. I don't know. Breaking news is the right way, but we have a developing story. Oh. Which is what CNN usually does, <laughs> and in, the, in a good way, in a positive way, we have a developing story. Today is Monday, as I do most road games or you know most whatever, because uh, I work on Sundays. I talk to my dad on Monday. Dad calls me up and he's like, "What you thinking?" And I'm you know, like, and we just get we go back and forth with it. And he's like, you know, whatever. And, but it reminded me of like an email I got from Scott McGuire who is a wonderful human being and for the second year in a row sent me and my family um, a box of pecan bars that were so excellent. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, the listeners of this show are are truly just some of the best people in the world. Um, but Scott sent a note, much like he did last year, and it it's so great because you get like a capsulization of like, man, here's where we are a year from now. And I know, Scott, I should have mentioned this on the podcast a lot sooner. I'm sorry for that. You are great, but I think I got something for you, Scott. So Scott ends his little letter saying, hey, hope your family's doing well. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for all that you do. Um, he says, P.S. Still waiting for your father to be a guest on Times Ours. My dad informed me today that he is off on Thursday. Oh. And he said, when can I come to the house? Oh. And I was like, well, you can come to the house right at the time we record this lovely podcast. Yes. Yes, 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 we can. Yes, he must. Oh, that's fantastic. So here's what I need everybody to do, because this is a call to action. My dad is not on Twitter. Uh, this is something that has been developing since the pandemic when he came over and we watched Chiefs versus Ravens. And I wrote about it with my son alongside, like just three generations of Kansas City guys. Watching the football team, and then my dad preparing me for most of my life to have the job I currently have, which is mind-blowing and makes me internally grateful to him. Everybody got to see a little bit of his opinions and thought process during the game, because I obviously was reporting from the couch of his thought process that time. That was, I believe, like early October 2020, and my dad is of a certain age, so you just want to be careful. Um, obviously, we're all vaccinated. We're doing well. He's healthy. Um, and I said, Hey man, like just, you want to pop in for like 15, 20 minutes? You know, I think people would be tickled by it. Holly, who's in the other room in the house is like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> while I'm on the phone, get him to do the show. Um, so my dad's not on Twitter, but if you have a chance, uh, you can tag Josh, tag me. Please. You don't have to tag Seth because he's watching just beautiful, just water yeah. uh, from Florida with his uh, family. Leave that man alone. Oh, <laughs> but he's not going to be on the show Thursday because he's on vacation and he has totally earned it and we yes. should all respect his peace. Yes. But if you want a third person to like appear on the show briefly um, and just let my dad uh, give his thoughts on this year's team before they're much anticipated postseason run, um, tag us on Twitter and tell us 
A, that you want this to occur, and B, what you would want my dad to talk about. Because then yes. I could screen grab it, send, show him via text messages. <laughs> hey, man, Scott's been waiting two years for this. And he wants to know what your thoughts are on the team because most people in my life know that, like, I, yeah, like, I have this job and he informs me all the time. And it's just, it's, I think it'll be a lovely moment. And I hope it makes people happy because um, my dad had some thoughts today, guys. And if oh. any of those carry over into Thursday, uh, I think it'll be a treat. Um, so, Scott, it might happen. It's a, it's, a, it's a developing story that could occur on the next edition of Time's Ours. I'm so over the moon excited. I please, so, at Jamie Briscoe, at by Nate Taylor, send us your questions that you want to ask Nate's dad. They can be Chiefs related. We're going to get the, the analysis. Yes. If you go a little yes. off the field also, I would, here's here's my, I'm going to go ahead and show my hand right now. I just learned about <laughs> this. Nate saved this to reveal on the show. I'm thrilled. I can't wait. And hopefully this continues to give about a 10 to 15 minute buffer of everybody before we have to talk about how every single person on the Chiefs gets a whole little bit of this out. I'd want to get at least a couple of good stories about Nate. In the before times. I don't, I don't know if it's childhood Nate, if it's teen yeah. Nate, if it's early 20s Nate. I don't I don't know what to even ask for. Mm-hmm. But what I do know about your father makes me think that he will have a story oh, for he, pretty yeah. much anything. Yeah. And a take for pretty much anything. Yeah. And I cannot wait. This is a thrill. If you want Nate early 1990s Chiefs football, well, mm-hmm. there's one source to go to. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, uh, and if Holly's done this and has found it um, hilarious and insightful in some ways, oh, this is my husband. Uh huh. <laughs> it's like yeah, kind boy, of. that's huge. I can't wait. And which is to say, nothing of the the future off season show where um, the wives plus fiance, maybe by this point, the wives can yeah. all uh, just do maybe times theirs. I don't know, but that that's that's an episode that I am deeply afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think, of a better choice of words I think my dad is like I don't want to say too much and I'm like but that's why podcasts exist dad yeah yeah that's we can look we can edit we're not gonna we never do but theoretically <laughs> we, tell, we could we tell Kent keep that thing rolling we just we, we give we give Kent a little timestamp and say hey here's where Nate's dad pops in you just listen you scrub through and you see what you think is what you think is good for the feed yeah he's not gonna he's not gonna do anything Oh, Too man. irrational, right? Question mark. <laughs> well, look, if there was going to be a game that would send him into a spiraling despair, <laughs> uh, this this might be that one. Uh, I told that, him. I told him, hey, we doing a recap today. Yeah, Thursday's a preview, and don't nobody really want to talk about the Broncos for an no, hour. Okay. So, like, this might this might be like fortuitous timing. And he was like, yeah. okay, I can I can see it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Dad, see it, see it. Must like, must like. We told Matt Nagy to see it too in 2017. <laughs> you see it, right? You see how it all go work. It'll benefit everybody. You know, you know how uh, early this season, you know, Trent McDuffie got hurt. Joshua Williams started playing more. Jalen Watson started playing a lot, and then a little while later, they traded Rashad Fenton. Yeah. Hey, Seth, watch your back. <laughs> so it sounds like on Thursday we're gonna have three people on the show again. Oh no. 
That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. A little late season controversy. Oh, boy. yeah. I just look. I mean, I had people asking me about like Lucas Niang on the post game show last night. Oh said, my lord! I said, ah. look, the, the Chiefs. The Chiefs really value the the co- the, the, the cohesion of one yes. unit. You know, they yes. don't like to make changes unless there's an injury. But in the past, guys have you know missed some time, and then someone else has come in and really taken the job by the horns. And I, I'm, and that's the end of my sentence. I'm not inferring anything about Thursday's show and and the possibility that that I have to just change my last name to Taylor to fit into the Taylor 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 <laughs> show. <laughs> You're ridiculous. I'm just saying, session. <laughs> oh, All right. I felt like stalling, but in a fun way. Yes. Twenty-seven, twenty-four. The Chiefs losing this game is not an unthinkable thing, but everything that led up to this game, resulting in a loss here, and one that felt the way that it did, I'll admit I'm a little surprised. But by some of the mechanics of it all, and maybe this is a reflection of me really, really, really wanting both the Bengals and Joe Burrow to prove it to me, but they they did. I, I don't... I, mm-hmm. I I was a little bit of a Burrow holdout, not that he stunk, but like my little Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow soul that I have been protecting these last couple of years is beginning to ask some questions about the world around it. I'm, and I'm not sure I have the, the strength to revisit that right now. My, the Bengals are a fringe playoff team. If they don't get some more consistent, easy production, well, they made everything look easy and it has really worked that way since they had made some adjustments this year. I I don't have any go prove it left for the Bengals because they thoroughly did. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, you mentioned in your story three times in a calendar year. Um, I've got so many questions for you, man, and so many takeaways from this game. But if you want to start really big picture, I, I would be very curious to know where, where you go first and then I want you to take hmm. us into the locker room because yeah. I was I was on pins and needles last night waiting to, to see. And obviously, you got your story already up in The Athletic. I, I was dying to see and hear about what the locker room was like after a loss like that one. Yeah. So, big picture-wise, um, one of the things I've learned about Patrick Mahomes and the team, the core of the team by and large, is that you know, you can't <clears throat> like I thought <clears throat> at times Cincinnati snuck up on them. And Patrick Mahomes essentially acknowledged that, that they relaxed in the AFC championship game. And so it is a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And the and that actually happened in the AFC championship game. They got up twenty one to three and relaxed and couldn't get it back. And so what you take from that is the fun part about this game is, okay, these teams are on equal footing now from a psychological mental standpoint. Like the Bengals can never sneak up on the Chiefs again, not these current iterations of these teams. So to your point about Joe Burrow and the roster as a whole, and my biggest thing was like, one of my things was, I should say, is how healthy is Jamar Chase? Because playing on a hip fracture even though it's a hairline, I don't know, man. Playing football is hard mm-hmm. and it's painful. And is he going to be like fully, fully healthy? Or, you know, can he be serviceable enough to where he at least is a decoy at times 
Um, you know, and he might be, you know, healthier as the season moves along for maybe a, a postseason rematch. Uh, he healthy and they better. They're equals. They're rivals. They've done something the Bills haven't done. They've done something the Patriots haven't done. They are the better football team. And I know that sounds a bit odd to hear. But that's the reality. That's the truth. The Bengals right now are a better football team than the Chiefs. Will there they was, see each, will they see this, each this other again? This is our long pause where I jumped in too soon. Bingo. No, no, no. No, no, no. You're good. Will, will they see each other? We Remains to be seen. And how much can the Chiefs close the gap? Because the gap isn't that wide. Um, and I will I will give credit to Seth's piece today in, in the Chiefs in the North newsletter, even though he, yes, is on vacation. <laughs> yeah, and you ought to go to mnchiefsfan.substack.com and give him a piece of your mind, and also $12 a year if you uh, haven't subscribed yet. That yes. That'll show him. But about the little flaws that add up, and we are obviously going to get to them, um, but I thought, he, I thought he mentioned it really well, where it's like, well, do we really know the answer about who's the better team? And I just want to say we've had three of these things, and yeah, we know who the better team is now. It's just, will that change in a month's time? Will that change in seven to eight weeks from now? And I don't know. Um, but they're they're the better team, and the sooner the team acknowledges that and does whatever is necessary to improve and to overcome this, this hurdle now, uh, the better off I believe they'll be. Because there was a little bit of that in the locker room uh, last night, but it's also that reaction of like, Oh, uh, wow, they might actually be better than us. And it's like, yeah, yeah, man, they're, they're the ones not making the mistakes in the fourth quarter. And that separates good teams from one another. That, that element of it is, I think, probably the part that's going to be hardest for them to swallow, the hardest for fans to swallow. And to your point, it, none of this is necessarily predictive of the next matchup, but Three in a row, if if anybody else, if, if the Chiefs got three in a row over the Bills and Bills fans were saying, oh, we just don't know who's better yet, Chiefs fans would eviscerate anyone who said that. And Correct. rightfully so. I mean, it, it, would, it would be kind of silly. So, again, maybe not prescriptive of what happens next, but this game was not fluky. This was not the Chiefs beating themselves. This wasn't a bunch of muff punts, which would have been hard to do because they only feel it. <laughs> but it, it, it wasn't... Let us, you know, just screw around and hope things don't come back to bite us. This wasn't the Colts game or anything even close to that. The The Bengals did not play a perfect game. It wasn't another team played a perfect game and you played a B-plus game and it wasn't good enough. Tyler Boyd dropped the touchdown. I mean, Carlos, Carlos Dunlap made an incredible play on fourth and goal to get the ball back. Yes. Just, just give Tyler Boyd his hands and have Carlos Dunlap get knocked to the ground instead of diving through or to change the play call, whatever. And this game could have felt like Chiefs-Bills on that Sunday night game in the regular season where the Chiefs got a handed to them. I don't think they were going to get run out of the building, but the Chiefs missed some opportunities. So did the Bengals. And it it was pretty evident which team was having the easier time of it on both sides of the ball. It was, it was Cincinnati. So what this tells us is... Um, the Chiefs, 
I don't I don't want to be I want to be appropriately critical, and I hope people understand that. Like mm-hmm. the Chiefs, it's the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals, mm-hmm. and um. I really think it's rare for a conference to have three teams of this high quality of quarterbacks who can all on a certain day take over the game. Um, I want people to like try to understand what I'm saying. It's a bit of a composite that you have to put together. It's a blending of, of ingredients. But guys, you're watching Drew Brees play for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a more updated version of it. That's such an interesting one. He's more athletic, but the pocket presence, the accuracy, and the I don't give a bleep that you're in my face is Drew Brees in his prime. The difference is Drew Brees never had these receivers, dog. Yep. And so... He had Michael Thomas for an hour, and I'm still waiting for him to get healthy again to see if he can do that. <laughs> he had Jimmy Graham, who yeah. Joe Burrow does not have. Um, and Jimmy Graham, at his peak, was a monster. But his pocket presence, his efficiency, um, I truly thought he only made one mistake. And it's up to whether the back judge thinks that's pass interference or not. Because even if even if even if McDuffie doesn't touch him, that's the one accurate inaccurate pass he threw all game. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably not picked, but definitely inaccurate. Is that fair? Yeah, de- like based on my view of it in the press box, and then sort of rewatching it, rewatch the tape. It's like wow, that is literally the one kind of inaccurate pass he threw all game, mm-hmm. which tells me that like their timing is really nice. Uh, they have a lot of things that they can throw at an opponent. He has a lot of weapons, so it's easy for him to process things. And, you know, similar to what Mahomes has gone through without Tyreek Hill, like, not having Jamar Chase for a month actually progressed him as a quarterback where he, you know, hey, I got to be really accurate on time and make sure that I understand what the defense is doing and have something uh, to counteract it. And he did that against the Chiefs yesterday and also had Jamar Chase. Um, but he he's just a taller, more athletic version um, and guess what, kids? Drew Brees won a Super Bowl. So it can happen for the Bengals. I think Chiefs fans or just fans in general just need to understand that, like, the Bengals are a real Super Bowl contender. Um, you know, this was a benchmark that they had to sort of clear. And they've they've done that because up until this point, they really hadn't played anybody of great significance, even with Jamar Chase out. Um, and, yes, I know Tennessee's very good, but, like, they can't score enough points yeah. uh, as they, as they are currently constructed right now. And then lastly, uh, Josh, because I want to ask you a question too. For the locker room, uh, losing to the Bills is understood. Yeah. Because, hey, uh, they beat us before and we knew it was going to be tough. And it's early. And, man, we would have loved to have that one. But, you know, that Von Miller dude was pretty good. (laughs) Like, you know, like, hey, uh, we've seen the Josh Allen movies. (laughs) Like, you know. So it's like, man, it'd be nice. We'll see how it plays out in terms of the playoff picture as the season goes along. But, you know, it's it's a long season, and, hey, they beat us. They beat us last year. Doesn't mean we can't beat them in January. Uh, Josh, it was silent in there last night. Um, I know you're probably going to get to Kelsey at some point. Um, Justin Reed just has to acknowledge 
I may have played all right, but we didn't play all right. Frank Clark having to guarantee that that won't be what we do again anytime for the remainder of the season, which I thought, okay, you can say that, but now you actually have to like go do it. Um, Jack McKinnon being the one player on offense to really acknowledge that like, yeah, they have our number. Like it's, it's real now. We, we, there's nowhere else for us to go mentally other than to say they are better than us. They are, it's a, it's a matchup where they have beaten us three times. You know, Patrick Mahomes saying, well, Hey, we played better than in the, than in the AFC championship game, but we also didn't execute well enough in the fourth quarter. And when he said that, I was like, exactly. And, and sometimes it's like, I'm thinking that as the fourth quarter is occurring, because I keep looking and they haven't scored. And for the third time, like you mentioned, Josh, the Bengals have performed better at the more critical moments late in the game. So Patrick is right. And he's really right at the end of that, which is like, so where do the chiefs go? I think it's fascinating, but, um, the locker room was dejected. The locker room was, you know, having to come to terms with the reality that, like, you're no longer the team being hunted. You're going to have to hunt them down eventually if you see them again. Or, um, you know, they're not worried about you. And you haven't given anything for them to, like, truly be worried about, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the the Kelsey thing you mentioned is just a great nugget in the story that I just I asked you about before the show. You can I, it, there wasn't. I'll give you everyone a quick spoiler. This isn't uh, shielding some incredible scandal behind it, but I just really enjoyed the phrase inside the visitors locker room. Kelsey, with an angry facial expression, de- declined to talk to reporters because that that first of all is just a good uh, that right there is a nugget of reporting that everybody can see, but you need to sometimes you need to listen to this show to read that. That that is that there. Nate's very good at uh, the hidden nuggets in the story. I think most of our listeners of this show have probably picked up on it. I wonder if other readers uh, who, who don't listen to the show do. But regardless, that I thought was interesting um, because that seemed pretty indicative of that mood. I mean, you say it was silent there. I I, I heard from multiple people can, just confirming that on on Friday the locker room here in in Kansas City felt like a playoff atmosphere like that it was bumping like there yeah, were people there were, were people things were to jacked do. yeah people were jacked um willie gay goes from having the music on everybody feeling good about the game plan uh we we're we're going we're going to go out there and handle our business to sunday willie gay having to admit man it's tough they they tough they are just they're a tough team and we didn't play well. And unlike a year ago, almost, or unlike early January in the first matchup, no one can say Steve Spagnuolo blitzed on third and 27. Yep. There's just, there's no easy out, especially for the defense. Um, There's, guys, schematically, the Bengals are presenting problems. And I thought Spagnolo did about what he could with rookie cornerbacks on the edges yep. to not overexpose them in the ways that he said, hey, I have veteran quarterbacks that I will put on an island one-on-one. Um, there's only so much you can do. And everybody on defense, Willie Gay, Justin Reed, Frank Clark, 
um, Nick Bolton pretty much said, like, we, the players, didn't get it done against their team um, to where I really feel like it was a fair fight all the way around between the Bengals offense and the, and the Chiefs defense. But that quarterback is so accurate that if you're off just a little bit, and I'm going to get to the person who was off the most, in my opinion, mm. you're, you, you're going to give up some points. Um, and it's, uh, it's going to be fascinating how they, how they move forward for the next, you know, five weeks, basically, um, to see if they can still finish with the one seed or to see if they're still the two seed to the Bengals three seed, if the Bengals obviously overtake the Ravens. Um, but yeah, you, you, you are so right. And I'm glad you mentioned that they went from jacked and eager to handle business to, whoa, we did not play as well as we thought we would. Uh, do you have a, you said you had a question for me. You've got who you think is the main culprit in all of this. And I've got a whole million of things. So uh, okay. what, what can I, how can I help you, Nate? What can I do to, what, to answer your query? What, what do you think we learned most about the Chiefs offense? Because I think, I think that is such an open-ended question that oh, you could yeah. go, that you could go in a lot of different directions. And I feel like, um, each one is is important, not not only in the context of what we saw yesterday, but obviously what might occur in January um, in the postseason. So, what what do you think we learned the most about the Chiefs' offense? I had three things come to mind all at once, which is not one thing. So, if if there's one big takeaway, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably missing it. Um, I don't I don't know. Like I'm asking because I don't know if there is one. I think there's several. And it's just a preference sort of thing, you know? Here's here's my, like, little combo one. It, I guess one thing from this game and one thing that it means going forward, even going back a couple games. The, the Chiefs offense had virtually nothing that resembled the easy button that I believe I'm plagiarizing from the Athletic Football Show, if memory serves. Um, it's really, really nice, and this is frankly something the Bengals were missing, and now they have it. Mm. In, their, in the function of their offense, but it's really nice to know you've got a way to just get six yards, just kind of whenever you want. And Travis Kelsey is a machine of that and didn't happen against the Bengals. It, I'm sure they were keying in on him in an atrocious way. <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco was was the easiest button they could hit and, and Jared yeah. McKinnon as well. Mm. Those guys are, frankly, maybe the only two players on the roster who who played at all that I am not going to point to and say they didn't do anything. They might have done their jobs. A few guys did their jobs, but nothing plus. Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon did just about everything you could have asked for. I think McKinnon may have been responsible for a, a pressure and a missed pass pro rep, so maybe not a clean sheet for anybody. But I think that combination of nothing looking easy, once again, for the offense is huge which I'm also spinning into we need to start saying nice things about McCole Hardman again and Canarius Tony's hamstring keep the finger out. Because right, it was the week before the trade deadline. We did this in the zone. It, we, I, I don't remember how I framed it all, but it was like, hey, basically the question was, who's the third most important pass catcher on the Chiefs? Because mm-hmm. it was obviously Kelsey and obviously Juju. And all of us ended up agreeing. I didn't think it was going to go this way, but all of us ended up agreeing on McCole Hardman. It was shortly after one of his big games. And Skymore out there running the motion stuff is not very exciting. And the offense looks constipated and good, good fiber for that offense would be some speed across the board. I think it'll look different with, with Hardman back or Tony back, frankly, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) 
I think, honestly, I think this is what the offense looks like without Tyreek Hill in, in the in that realm, you know, because the, the Chiefs had some more wiggle room with, with Hardman and, and then, of course, adding Tony to add that speed back. And, and so that that all of those things are kind of in my my takeaway box for this offense looks laborious. Um, there are positives, there are other negatives, but I I think on the offensive side, that's what jumps out to me. Yeah, no, it it all makes sense, and I I think, man, that's it's so it's so funny that like you know because I don't know your answer when I ask it just just for the listeners like I don't know where you're gonna go and that's that's the fun of it. Um, man, I thought Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy showed real signs of growth in the third yeah. quarter of this game, and I tweeted about it, and I wonder if people remember it, but if I you do. don't. It's uh, it's late. Or it's like you know, late in the third quarter. It's their second possession. Uh, if they get a touchdown here, they go up seven. It would be their biggest lead of the game. Um, it's, I believe it's third and three. Uh, from the. No 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 no. Oh sorry, it is their first possession. Excuse me, it's their first possession. After halftime, so first possession of the third quarter. It's third and four from the Cincinnati eight-yard line. This is where the Bengals game plan pretty much held true to form from the previous two games. You are not throwing it over us. Yep. And you are not even doing it in the red zone. Don't even think about it. That guy, Kelsey, over there, try us. And to to be fair, the Chiefs tried it, and DJ Reader made a great play because mm-hmm. he protected the secondary because Kelsey was wide open. Um, which forced them to kick a field goal on their opening drive. But on the... Oh, hey, on, hey, 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 hey. It forced fourth down on their opening drive. And, and the and field you know goal what? was a choice. And the, and the, and the fourth down bot said, you might, you might want to keep the offense on the field. Hey, this uh, is the thing that changes when you're realizing you're playing a team where you need some breaks against them, not the other way around. I digress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this, this all leads to that. Man, you come out of halftime, and I thought they were, I thought they were like, okay, we know who we're playing, and let's keep throwing the changeup they want us to throw. Yep. They don't want us to throw the fastball, which means they don't want Mahomes to scramble. They don't want him to extend plays. They don't want him to throw the ball deep. On third and four from the Bengals' eight-yard line, they handed it off to Isaiah Pacheco. And he, and he scored an eight-yard touchdown. And I said, that play never happened in the second half of the AFC Championship game. And I thought, that's real growth and understanding from the coaching staff of Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi. Now, because Patrick Mahomes exists, okay, you've ran the ball. Now you want to throw over the top. And as Rustin Dodd mentioned, and we talked about it um, in the press box Sunday, Hey, MVS is a home run hitter. <laughs> I have I have quoted that tweet from Rustin three different times that he I think I have the numbers specifically that he's a home run hitter who strikes out 225 times a year and hits 30 dingers. Hey, we ain't looking for him for singles in the red zone. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so to their credit, they're like, hey, we showed you we could run the ball. Now we're gonna throw over the top. And it's like, hey, cool. You did that. Got you in position to score another touchdown. Mahomes obviously goes, uh, he he literally dunks on a defender. <laughs> Even is, though there's oh no my God, it's so frustrating that that play is going to be lost in a loss. I mean, yep. so cool. Yep, yep. Um, so 
So what does Lou Emeraldo? However you say his name, what does Lou do? Um, I'm, you know, but I can't get nobody's name right. Um, what what does Lou do? Lou says, "Okay, you can't throw over the top, guys. I know they. I know they ran for an eight yard touchdown. It didn't feel good. Don't ever let MVS get behind you again." Yeah. And so now, and this is after Kelsey's fumble, which is unfortunate, and it's his first true mistake of the year. Um, it's. It's third and what's it? Third and four, I believe. Which uh, the the last possession for the Chiefs in the football game. Which oh is, yeah, third and I, third and three. Third, it's third and three. Yes, because McKinnon got seven yards on second and ten. Look at the film. Look at the coverage. I don't want to anymore, the, man. I've watched that play too many times. They are asking you to run the football. We want we want to three Nate. We want to die a slow death, and they choose to pass. And in most situations, that is the appropriate thing to do because you have fifteen, you have Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, you have pretty good skill position players out there. Problem is, they drop an eight dog. And I know they gave a certain look that, like, maybe they're coming, maybe they're not. But that's Lou being Lou. He's not changing. Because why would he? He won the first two games doing this in critical moments. I'm going I'm to I'm put a little bit of a different look on it, but we doing the same thing. I don't want you to throw it over the top of me on third and four, which is inviting you to once again run the football. And they chose to pass, which works against just about every other defense in the AFC, but not this one. And so they went from showing growth to kind of going back to their old ways to then, even with Patrick Mahomes limping, and and I asked him directly to him in the locker room, he said, no, I'm fine. Like, I'm totally fine. I basically started walking normal again, like, a minute later. So Rustin makes this point, well... You never want to give up a timeout, but what if you called a timeout there because it's fourth and seven and you want to find the right play? And you give Mahomes a minute to, like, you know, stretch out that that foot, that calf that he got tripped up on. Now we got a chicken in the egg problem, Josh. You want me to, you want me to tell everybody what the chicken in the egg problem is? Is it that I want to smash eggs with my hands and then go live <laughs> in a chicken coop so I don't have to think about the sequence anymore? It's so great. Uh, the sequencing is so important. Now, yes, is Jarek McKinnon open? Of course he is. Um, that's the one mistake Mahomes made all game. Think about that, y'all. He made one mistake all game. If he makes one mistake all game, y'all supposed to win. Yep. Sure all the time. Are. There's not another play that I can look back on rewatching it or in the moment where I was like, I don't know, man. That that wasn't that wasn't it. So their quarterback made a you could say their quarterback made one mistake and it's a interception that Hey, you the home team. Um <laughs> and your name is Trick McDuffie, he Jamar Chase. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> which by the way, guys, uh that happens. Like it, it yep. happens. Yep. Um, McDuffie was excellent when he was on Chase in this game. Yes. Like, by the way, what we learned is they might have been right on these cornerbacks. Yeah, you might want to, you might want to take that with you and hold it hold it dear. Yep. 
But the biggest chicken in the egg problem, Josh, is chicken says, this is what I do. I make eggs. <laughs> egg is like, but what if I'm a bad egg? <laughs> what if on a three-man rush, I'm not ready to block with chip help to the outside? <sighs> and I give up this, man. I might immediate pressure. What if I'm a bad egg, dog? On this play, for this chicken, on this snap, I'm a bad egg. So here's the chicken and the egg problem. And this informs you moving forward, one should say. You know, because you don't want to be an insane person. You don't want to do the same thing over and over again. They got a chicken and the egg problem. And how they go about solving it will be fascinating. Some of it is on the player. Some of it is on the coaching staff. As you said earlier, Josh, everybody has a piece of this. Jared McKinnon is like, I'm open. But Patrick is like, this is what I do, dog. Just, just, just give me one more. Se- why is, why is somebody tripping me? Yeah, he. This uh, uh, point to to Jason also pointed this out during the the show today. Juju's probably scoring a touchdown if that ball gets to him. If you go watch the the view from behind Mahomes, Juju's slicing through a, a couple of defenders. He's got legit space, and by the time he gets to the hash mark, if the ball leaves Mahomes' hand when he wanted to throw it, it's probably getting there. Probably a first down. He might score. So I understand why Mahomes keeps his... Patrick Mahomes keeping his eyes downfield and trying to make the big play is not something yep. I ever want to make a living criticizing. That would be a Correct. fool's errand. Yep. But it's it's third and three in a game where everything has been difficult. Just just stay alive and try try the deep shot the next time through. It's I know it's easy to say in retrospect. I promise mm-hmm. you, everyone listening right now, I promise you. would not lie to you. Promise. In real time, when Mahomes is working right to left, he gets, I don't know where his eyes are, but his face mask is pointing to Jarek McKinnon. Briefly, but at least for long enough that he could have seen him there. In that moment, I thought, oh, he's got him. First down. Okay, we're moving on. Even after the play got blown up. And I think I think Seth mentioned this in his story on the newsletter today, and I, that I would tend to agree with, that Orlando Brown, sometimes I think the criticism is a little unfair because it is fueled by contract talk and of draft course. picks and all of that. Yes. You got a three-man rush and you lost to the inside. With I, outside with outside chip. They didn't with, chip to the right. They chipped to the left. Now, part of that part of that is where the ball is placed on the hash. I understand that too. But also, they the reality is they chipped to the left. I don't I I just don't have a single thing for you on that one. I just don't. That is just simply not a rep Orlando Brown can lose that way. Frankly, I'm not sure that he has had another rep in Kansas City as bad as that one. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a bad play to have a bad play. I, I don't I don't know that this is the end of some argument on Orlando Brown. In fact, I, I don't think it is. I think that's still going to be kind of up in the air. My God, man, that rep is impossible to watch. I've watched that GIF loop a hundred times. And every time I latch on to something else in this play that is so so difficult to just get through time after time after time. And then it starts again. Such is life. So what Andy Reid and the coaching staff can take away from this, I think is you can run the ball there because logically we think either you're getting no yards there. Hopefully you're not losing yards, 
But if you're going forward with a running back who's been, I don't know, averaging close to seven yards a carry, you're either in a fourth and short situation or you've gained the first down. But I also understand you have Patrick Mahomes, which then goes to the second thing we learned, Josh, which is um, there may be a there may be a time in the postseason where you can take a 55-yard field goal in the fourth quarter. Or you can just give the ball to the quarterback. It it was, it was with three and a half minutes left. The Bengals yep. were getting the ball back regardless, and they were mm-hmm. going to go score again regardless. One 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 is one is understanding to to think to think such. Based and Andy Reid has, by the way, just previous fifty five minutes. Just that little bit of evidence. That's that's all you got, though. I mean, it's not a full sixty, so who's to say? Um, Andy Reid has said post game. He said it again in his presser today. Not impacted by Mahomes being gimpy after the sack. Not impacted by the loss of yardage there. Just thought they were in field goal mode. And again, I, I mean, on third and three, I, I don't know that he was thinking terribly hard about field goal at all because you kind of assume that Mahomes will do something crazy on a play mm-hmm. where he ended up having options. Your left tackle just got whooped in the worst way possible to get whooped there. But I mentioned the early fourth down. You know, at the time, I tweeted like, hey, that's a spot to go for it. Those three points aren't going to probably aren't going to be the thing that keeps you in the game, whatever. They go for it on fourth down twice. One is the conversion in midfield that leads to a touchdown. The other fourth down conversion they go for is the Air Mahomes run that will be lost to history. You you can't leave points on the board or on the nope. field or however you want to put it. And and this is this is why like so much of this, it, honestly, it feels like politics where the 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 phrasing is is often just as important as the policy. Take the points is my least favorite phrase in football at the moment. Because you you are leaving an opportunity for more points out there. Like, you don't say take the points whenever you're up $4 playing poker. You think, all right, I'm going to go ahead and see if I can go ahead and turn this into 50 bucks. Like, this this should not be such a difficult concept. And especially situationally there. If you said, hey, there's two seconds left. It's either a Hail Mary to win or a Butker field goal to tie. I'd put Butker out there also. But I just... you You better have a damn good reason to tell me that you want Harrison Butker on the field instead of Patrick Mahomes in every single fourth down situation. Tommy Townsend too. And, and the, the the logic might be, hey, it's fourth and 30 and we're at our own seven. I'd say, all right, cool. Tommy's time. Thanks for the explanation. But I mean, Andy Reid just, he, he just failed that test twice. He passed it twice to great dividends mm-hmm. and he failed it twice. And you, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't bat 500 on that one. So now really we know because simple. It's simple. Yeah, he reads the yep. best head coach in football, and one yep. of the things that I could help him do, he's not good enough at. Do you know how, how frustrating that is for me, like a a podcaster? Ninety eight percent, maybe ninety nine, maybe ninety nine and a decimal of Andy Reid's job is something that I would fail so miserably at. You would think I was a former NFL player being hired as an interim, but this part of it. I could help do because I've played Madden and I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen the bots and obviously yep. the chiefs have the people to inform that. And eventually it's about what Andy Reid wants to do. And so you say 51% of the vote, you get 51% of the credit, you get 51% of the blame here, whatever. Just so frustrating. Cause that's, that's a self-inflicted mistake. So now, now, now Andy Reid knows that for this season, right? 
I mean, if you if you if you want to learn something in every game, um, in in a moment where the season might be on the line, uh, you know, maybe Buckers Reigns isn't fifty five yards in a similar situation on a similar down and distance in the fourth quarter against a true contender like the Bengals or the Bills. So at least you have context to whatever happens in late January if put in again a similar situation. Cause Bucker went healthy on a non-weird year, makes that field goal, and yeah, you see what happens with the Bengals offense and hey, the defense gets, you know, some experience in that way versus hey, they already are at midfield. Um and we now have to start using timeouts to obviously try to get the ball back. But, you know, these are the things I think we learned um, both in the moment and big picture moving forward. Um, because we're going to get these games similar to maybe the divisional round where both quarterbacks are of excellent quality. And so everything else gets magnified because everything is available because your quarterback is playing so excellent. If, you don't make mistakes physically, mentally, or from a coaching standpoint. Uh, I want to talk about the defense. I, I think it might even be the more important part of this game. I don't, that's whatever, 51-49. But we got to spend some time on it here. And I think mm-hmm. you can just cut it up into position groups, your three levels, your three depths and everything. Um, I have a totally insane um, dominoes, butterfly effect thing on the defensive line that I want to run by you. I've got a stat for you on the secondary, and then I have no hair left on my head for the linebackers because I pulled it all out. You tell me where you want to, how you want to work, front to back, back to front. Where you let's go start front, with. let's go front to back because I'm going to go from um, gentle to harsh. Oh, okay. So, so we're starting with the the D line. Yes. Oh, I'm surprised about the order of operation. Oh, well, I guess that yep. makes sense because there's a level of there's a level of defensive back that goes behind the corners. Um, mm-hmm. Fact. Let me. I'm just going to say this as a matter of fact, and you can just, you, I just want to know how you react to this. The reason the Chiefs lost to the Bengals yesterday was because of Breland Speaks. Oh, wow. Oh, I wasn't ready. Wasn't it's impossible ready. to be ready for that one. It's insane. I wasn't ready. It's insane, but I believe it. The Chiefs oh. lost to the Bengals because of Breland Speaks. Here's why. So the Chiefs draft uh, Chris Jones in 2016. He he grows as a player. They take Tandil Passigno in, in 2017. You could draw it back to him, but that hey, was pre Veach, right? Yeah, you won a Super Bowl with him too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Breland Speaks was the type of busted out first pick that makes waves. And it was so evident so quickly that that wasn't working. That The Chiefs, under Brett Veach, very soon after, trade for Frank Clark give up the draft picks, pay him a whole lot of money. Because Breland Speaks was not going to be the second guy on a pass rush built around Chris Jones. They trade for Frank Mm. Clark. Mm. A lot of assets on Frank Clark. He has some moments in the playoff run, so I'm not saying Chiefs fans would undo the trade. No, the trade is still a success no matter how this ends. Yes. That that you can you can make that case. I could nitpick. I don't really want to. I don't I'm whatever. First championship in 50 years, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I Just get it. Just staying facts. a role in it, and that's fine. We can also <laughs> right, state right, the right. fact that everything outside of that stretch has been hey, kind of disastrous. shout out to Patrick Mahomes' rookie contract. 100%. Absolutely. So that's fine. 
they, they trade for Frank Clark and you got a couple games of great play, but, but in, in general and certainly post Super Bowl, he has not been a number two pass rusher alongside Chris Jones. That takes assets out of your pool, mm-hmm. takes money out of your draft picks, the, the financials, all of that. And they invest a ton in defensive end there. Mm. Beyond that, they try to patchwork with everybody from Terrell Suggs uh, back in the day to Melvin yep. Ingram to Carlos Dunlap. Emmanuel Ogba kind of worked out. That was even earlier, back back in that 1819, right? In yeah. Uh, come together. Mm-hmm. But mm. even as the search gets you all the way to the 30th overall pick with George Karloftis, who I'm in no means am I like writing him off. But as of this moment, he is not a number two pass rusher alongside Chris Jones. And it maybe has never been more evident to me that that guy is just clearly not on this roster right now. Again, Karloftis is the one guy who might have the potential to still become that. But as of this moment, the Chiefs have been chasing a number one edge under Brett Veach since pick 46 when they traded up for Breland Speaks in 2018. And it has evaded them and evaded them and evaded them. I would be happy to sideswipe the 32nd overall pick in the 2020 draft as well, where T. Higgins went one pick later. Would rather have T. Higgins and rather the Bengals have a running back that they didn't need. But this is, I promise this isn't just, you know, me trying to rally the troops up on my like two takes of all time. But this is the consequence of Breland Speaks busting of Frank Clark's contract being prohibitive of drafting a running back when it was, oh, they just won the Super Bowl. They can afford a luxury pick. Right then they could. Right now they'd like to have that one back. This is, when you look at a, at a game and you say, oh boy, it really just sort of seems like the Chiefs got outplayed. They kind of outclassed there, but they didn't have the dudes for the blocking or the pass rushing or the tackling. That's a personnel problem. I, I am a million miles away from telling you Brett Veach is terrible at his job but it's a personnel problem. And this is how I blame Breland Speaks and that selection. The Chiefs lost to the Bengals because Chris Jones is getting double teamed all, all night. the time. It should have been illegal. Here, Some, here. Someone should create a rule and nobody else could win a one-on-one matchup with any consistency whatsoever. The Chiefs have been chasing that for a long time. They have not gotten it since the Super Bowl run and they're not going to get it this year with any of those guys unless George Karloftis finds Mike's secret stuff. Mm-hmm. So, real quick, here's was the, here was the entire Bengals game plan up front. Double this man. Yep. And if they have somehow created a front that we have to be one-on-one, hold him for dear life. Yep. And if they don't call it, well, we move on to the next snap. And honestly, I respect it. Yeah. Because they know. They know there was one snap in the fourth quarter on a run where Chris sh- shoots through the gap so fast that the, I can't remember which lineman it is, just holds his, I believe, left arm, just holds it. Just like, hey, not today. That This is what my coach told me to do, clearly. And Chris looks at the ref and goes, dude, are you blind? And they didn't call it. And we move on to the next snap. So, I'm sure the Chiefs will inform the NFL of such grievances toward Chris Jones. Chris Jones actually played very well yesterday. But he was doubled, and he was held 
all the time. <laughs> and to your point, Josh, Carlos Dunlap made one play. George Karloftis made two plays. Mike Dana could have made a play, but Drew Brees is back there. And you know what used to frustrate the hell out of people? Dog, I'm there. But yeah. the ball's out on the exact second it's got to be out. And it's accurate? <sighs> they blitzed. They picked it up. Chris won. He got held. They got home. He threw an accurate pass. The game was on the defensive line's shoulders. Didn't have enough success. And I'm still, based on every context you've you've brought to the table, Josh, I say, okay, they were better. Yep. So let's go, let's go to the middle of the defense. Let's go to the linebackers. Seems like the group that probably ought to have to deal with the tuna in a can stuff this week, but... Bengals didn't have a lot of trouble going to the middle of the field, Nate. That was that was my professional opinion. Now, you know who played poorly in the middle of the field? Colin Saunders. Yeah. Uh, Nick Bolton in zone coverage. Food. Got, got to play more to the sticks. He would drop and then drop and drop, and Burrow would notice that and say, oh, well, I'll just throw in front of you. Um. They didn't want to get into too many high-low situations, so I understand that where the linebacker is playing so short that the high is just open. Um, they didn't play to the sticks well enough. Willie Gay got turned around on a play-action pass. It was not. It was not pretty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that, is that Willie Gay and Nick Bolton's worst game on the field together? Like as a as a collective duo. I, a, I feel like it has to be, but I don't. Yes, for this season, yes, because the. No other team could I, – I will I, I will all say this. No other team could challenge them this way, yep. at least so far this season. Now, Willie Gay was not on the field for the Buffalo Bills. I understand that. And Josh Allen was healthy at the time. He's going through his own, you know, um, elbow situation. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right in that assessment, Josh. And when they got there, struggled to prevent yards after contact. But – can't happen. Happen. But – but – I'm moderate right now. I'm just moderate. I've gone from gentle to moderate to to harsh. We're going to get to harsh. And I'm going to be really surgical with this. Because, dog. Before <laughs> before you get real harsh, I, I I do not believe... We're going long today, by the way. I, I, I hope your schedule is good on your end. But I'm, I'm going yeah, to yeah, a little bit. Great. We're, we're, we're hitting over now, everybody, because this game earned it. Um, I don't think your harshness is going to extend to the cornerbacks. Is that correct? Correct. So I just wanted to give a stat. I just this real simple math. This is by no means telling you who's covering who, but of uh, of the Bengals, two hundred eighty six passing yards, two hundred or excuse me, one hundred and ninety two of those went to Chase Boyd um, Higgins. That that trio, mm-hmm. that trio yep. combined for a little less than two hundred yards. Their top three receivers, fifty seven of those yards went to the running backs, including the touchdown to Chris Evans. Mm. So I mentioned mm-hmm. that I think we've already kind of been on the right on the on the the, the right track on this one that. I really have very, very, very little beef for Joshua Williams or whatever. I mean, like, it's just some tough matchups. Sometimes they won them. Sometimes they lost them. McDuffie was great on chase. Um, It's fine. It's I I would I would take that performance from the the, that group of cornerbacks again. If they had to replay that game, I I would take that performance again. Not the thing that failed me in in my mind. Uh, Is that is that fair? Yeah. 
By the way, their longest pass play, I believe, was for 40 yards. Um, if you watch that snap, it's because the it's because the five-man rush doesn't get home. They yeah. they blitz, they pick it up, and give credit to Joshua Williams. Hey, I'm there on the first move. I'm there on the second move. Dog, he got the ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's with- like, dog. <laughs> and, then he, and then he just skied. It's like, yep. dog. Yep. And that yep. was like, that was when I was like, oh, he healthy. Oh, he healthy, healthy. Ooh. All right, so get get harsh. His longest play was for forty yards, and it, and, it, and like what was twenty of it was yak. Um, so look, but you knew that, right? You knew that coming into the game. Yes, we they're had that conversation fo- on yes. the Thursday Friday episode. You knew that coming into the game. Hey, they're gonna have their matchups. It's unfortunate. That's an advantage. That's a weakness based on experience. Like by the way, um, the reason Joshua Williams, um, I don't even want to. I don't even know if you want to say struggle at times, but hey, it's the matchup's not in his favor. Yeah. Is because they just realized we don't really need to try Trent McDuffie anymore. Yeah. They got to the third quarter and was like, no, nah, only on only on fades to the end zone. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to try him anywhere else. They're like, hey man, to AT. Match up, match up with uh with Josh. A a uh a a chase. Go go to the outside. Because we know they're not switching. They're we know they're not hovering with Sneed or whatever, or you know, uh putting anybody on an island. So, okay, well, we, if we know that and that played out, then, like, all right, cool. You want to know who the worst player was on defense? I mean... It was Juan, it was Juan Thornhill. It was hard to watch. Um, The first six weeks of the season, he played excellent football. Excellent. He managed them in a way against the Bills that I thought was, wow. Like, not only is he all the way back, but, like, more instinctual. The range is still there. Pretty good ball skills. Josh Allen just has a cannon. But he but he kept everything in front of them while also being aggressive. Um, I don't know if his eye leverage was wrong. He couldn't tackle anybody um, in the critical situations. Now, he made stops once they already got the line to gain, which is fine. You never want your safeties to be the leading tacklers, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, He had had 10 tackles yesterday. Um, No pass breakups, no highlights of significance. Yes, he had the interception, but it was negated by the pass interference, so it it just doesn't count, unfortunately, for him, which was his best play. And look, um, the running back's crossing against the field, and that's your man, based on looking at it over and over again. And George Karloftis is like, isn't that your man? Why is he waltzing into the end zone? Um, Hey, the Bengals are in the red zone. You want to keep everything in front of you? Cool. They're running a simple seam seam route on a high-low. Why are you late to react? And of course... Joe Burrow checks, checks again, says, dang, we don't have the play. But the best chance we have, and I have to tell Chase, hey, just make sure you stay in bounds. <laughs> I I have to throw it to him because the front tells me, let's just get let's just get the ball to our best player in space. Because every check I have doesn't give me a great feel. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to 
to chase on a four on two and he misses the tackle. It's, it's an embarrassing look. It's in some ways more embarrassing than Orlando Brown, but that's, that's more preference based. Um, it's the worst, it's the worst game he's had all season. It is extremely unfortunate. He is a much better player than the one he showed on the field Sunday. He was the worst player on defense and guys rewatch the game. After the first quarter, they stopped targeting where Justin Reed is on the field, even though he ran his mouth. Mm-hmm. So if we have the check here and Justin Reed's over here and Jamar Chase is over there, well, at least I can go over there and see what happens. And he got the first down. Now this is the play that I've got a gift on loop from – Seth's newsletter, watching the player talking about where you've got four defensive backs, two blockers, and one Jamar Chase with all the positioning you could reasonably ask for. And Jamar Chase obviously gets the first down and basically ends the game. An, an incredible athlete. But still. Unbelievable. But You could tackle him. This, you do have the advantage. This is... I, He's I catching the ball the behind the line of scrimmage, Josh. Behind the line of scrimmage. And this is... Probably a whole lot easier to say than to do. I understand right. this. Yes, we, we but, both do. But Juan Thornhill spent, it just felt like every time in this game where he was involved near a tackle, not when he actually made them, but with the ones that, that he was sort of whiffing on, it felt like his only move was sprint and then dive and torpedo at dude's ankles and then hope you hit him. And I, you just, this is the NFL. That, not only does that not work for Jamar Chase, it's not going to work for most guys. And please, again, I know, I'm not saying with, that Juan Thornhill with a full head of steam meeting Jamar Chase is going to end well for 22. It probably won't. Jamar Chase is an unbelievable athlete. But if if you just hop on his back and he wears you like a backpack for a second, somebody else will get there to try to help you clean that up. It, it can't be zoom past the ball carrier to not even slow the guy down. I mean, and and... Fourth and five, that's what happened. It's diving, and I think he touches Jamar Chase, but literally with his hand and nothing else. It, it's on that play, but it, it's also throughout the game. This play, I understand that it, you're thinking, hey, it's third and five, and I, I got to do anything I can to try to make this stop here because otherwise the game's over. But I'm just watching it over and over and over again, and it just it felt like Juan Thornhill was on the ground more than he was near the football. And I like Juan Thornhill. That we have been a pretty pro one Thornhill show mm-hmm. around these parts. Mm-hmm. It was a terrible a, a game. more than a more than capable player. Yeah, one who one who entering this season, I I was on board with them extending to a reasonable deal this offseason because that type of player is hard to find. Um, it's a good note by you to mention Justin Reed not getting targeted basically in the second half. They never the they never challenged him in the second half. It was wild to me because that tells you. Players and coaches realize, let's check our ego. Yep. What is the better matchup? I I just, and and this is, I'll expand that to two more guys, I guess. If you're Juan Thornhill, Nick Bolton, and Willie Gay, you can't get beat like that. Every player is limited in some form. If, if Nick Bolton has a game with 400 tackles and they're all within two yards of the line of scrimmage and he's moving guys backward 
and then he gets beat because he can't cover Samaj P. Ryan on the flat and they just have a great play call. I can live with that. I really can. I, I think it's unrealistic to try to expect limitless football players because everybody's got limitations except for Patrick. Yes. Williams. Everybody has limitations. But to have a game where you don't do the things you are supposed to be excellent at, that's really hard to swallow, which also a credit to a, a, a caller um, to Logan, or the, a caller on the postgame show last night. He, he mentioning the Bengals offensive lines, the Chiefs couldn't take advantage of the Bengals biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the sort of stuff that really concerns me is the Chiefs weren't taking advantages of weren't taking advantage of matchups that favored them entering the game. And you had guys like Juan Thornhill, where this this really in a lot of ways should have been the Juan Thornhill game in terms of helping these young corners lock down these these incredible wide receivers they have. The tackling should not have been the reason we we're talking about Juan Thornhill, regardless. But it's just guys losing in unacceptably horrendous ways. And it makes for a game that is just just as frustrating as you remembered it being watching live. Yeah. Um, and guess what? The Chiefs special teams almost had a perfect day until they didn't. They only had to field the one punt, so. And they had the they had the nice one. kick they had they had the nice kickoff return to start the second half. Yeah, and that was nice. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So, you know, it's uh it's it's a it's a rival it, it's a rivalry um because like the the Chiefs the Chiefs are capable of beating this team and have yet to do it. So when you when you when you think of it, it is um it does lead us to a real nice sprint. The sprint starts now, kids. There's five weeks and you gotta you gotta you gotta run the table. If you want the one seed, if you want a week off, if you want everyone to come to Arrowhead, um, you know, destiny is no longer in your control, as if it always is. <laughs> but it's a real sprint now for the Bengals, who have an outside chance of getting the one seed, the Chiefs, who have perhaps the lightest schedule remaining, mm-hmm. and the Buffalo Bills, who are who are in the inside lane trying to hang on for dear life. It's going to be an incredible rest of the season, but it wouldn't 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 hurt my feelings if I found out that a handful of listeners didn't get to this part until about Wednesday, um, because it is that kind of frustrating game. Certainly, the Chiefs will um, have a real a real rebound type of game opportunity <laughs> coming up coming up against the Broncos next week and uh, Thursday. It sounds like we might just get. Uh, Papa Taylor. I don't know. I don't know what we should. What I should call him, Nate. You're gonna have to, gonna have to <laughs> coach me up on that one ahead of time. Yeah. But uh, I, I will let you know. We'll get we'll get his thoughts potentially on on Thursday. Uh, and as always, again, we mentioned it a few times. Seth does have a story up in the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Nate's story from Cincinnati on the Athletics. Some really good nuggets in there, specifically about the locker room and what fell apart. And I'm sure that you're going to have plenty to write about this week because every position group could probably tell a story of where this game went wrong. So keep your eyes on theathletic.com. If you're not subscribed, theathletic.com slash timezars will get you there. And uh, in the meantime, tweet at by Nate Taylor at JB Briscoe with any other thoughts on the show, the game, uh, or specifically questions for 
Mr. Taylor next uh, the next episode if, if we get that that incredible incredible check to cash. <laughs> I'm really my, the whole my, the rest of my week, Nate, is going to be about oh, making boy. sure that that episode on Thursday actually happens. So well, uh, I'll clip this audio said, and send it to my dad. Let him know, man. I could not I could not possibly be more excited. Uh, because frankly, I mean, look, maybe, maybe this is the, the chief seeping in, but I think it's, I think it's time for a little fresh blood for a little shakeup. You know, I, I'm feeling real restless after the way this game went. So mm. shaking up the pot a little might, might be nice. So, um, appreciate everybody who did hang out for 75 or so minutes of talking about a game that will be frustrating throughout chief's lore until they beat the Bengals at the very least. Uh, and uh, tell a friend if you think this is somehow a good way to uh, introduce them to Time's Ours. We'd, we'd appreciate it, but also I'd understand if you're not in the sharing mood just yet. <laughs> uh, that being said, Nate, you you get us out of here faster than a bowl of Skyline Chili. Um, Just want to say uh, there were a couple people, uh, I, I assume in my age group, uh, but I just want to say nice shout out to Zach and Leslie uh who were on the same flights as I was to Cincinnati and back this morning. Um a lot, lot of one ways there, MCI lot, to Cincinnati. Oh, a lot of one ways. A lot to choose from. Uno one way. <laughs> <laughs> uh so I, I appreciated chatting with them before the game, uh and the optimism of getting to Cincinnati for the first time and and, and seeing this third chapter of this rivalry. And the how y'all holding up in the in the in the early morning uh, of today, and then lastly, Amber Simon, um, just very sweet, said hello Saturday morning, um, and now we've and now the the pressure's on, Josh. I mean, this is on Twitter. This is on the record. Yes, uh, Amber Simon uh, had a had a well of a time meeting meeting Seth before the Bills game. Um, she says she loves listening to us, so we obviously appreciate that. Um, and then she asked me a, a bunch of questions, and I was like, "This is the best! Like, this is you know, this is the service that we provide. It's so cool. Um, you know, uh, hopefully, I'll get that answer to you about Frank Clark Amber at some point someday, uh, <laughs> which I think a lot of people are asking about his health, which is you know uh, reasonable and uh, from a compassionate standpoint from her. But yeah, like." Now she she says she needs to meet you, Josh, and I just want to know how we gonna set this up so that you can show that you know Seth is, you know Seth is Seth is not the 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 best person in the in the in the trio. Well, I'm, look, that was already that was I'm sure verified uh, upon meeting you, but for me, really at this point, oh, I, I come think, on, I think I'm just gonna lean into the where's Waldo sort of situation. Where, like, I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna start I'm gonna start like wearing uh, sunglasses and a mask and a very low hat out in public. I, I frankly at this point, what if, what if it's like a horse? Is that JB Briscoe? Yeah, right. What if it's but what what if I, what if I am the one like protecting the the trilogy here? I don't know. I. I think I think at the very least it's where in the world is Carmen San Diego and I'm Oh yes, clue. what a reference. If you if you track me down then maybe I'll give you a clue, but uh, other than that I you know I think at this point it's it's really more of really more of sort of a cosmic <laughs> game of hide and seek. Zach, Leslie, Amber, can't thank y'all enough. Thank you so much. And hey, it can only get better from here, right? Right? Let's ride.